Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we have we have kind of an odd twofer, to be honest. These two don't really have anything in common, except that I wanted to get their episodes out before the end of the year. We have Tiffany, 80s chanteuse and pop starlet Tiffany. And then after that, we have Mark Burgess, frontman of the Chameleons. I'll tell you more about Mark later. So obviously, first up is Tiffany. As everyone knows, back in the 80s, when she was still a teenager, she got huge with this song right here, I Think We're Alone Now. And then, you know, with a lot of young pop singers like this, it the fall is almost as quick as the rise. There wasn't much more after this. She tried and she carried on, but it just, you know, success was just not there anymore. Over the years, she has had to pivot and kind of change her career several times. She puts out different kinds of albums like country albums, rock albums, dance albums. She's gone into acting. She's gone into cooking all of these things to sort of maintain her career. And she's really good at all of them. In fact, she recently, last month, put out a brand new album called Shadows, and I love it. And it is nothing like what you would think it is. It's very alternative rock, kind kind of like Evanescence, maybe, or Paramore, sort of a alternative rock punk. It's great. And so we talk all about that in here. Now, I only had her for about a half hour, so I got in as much as I could, and it's mostly a conversation about the stuff that she's into now. Um, near the end, there's a little more of the career, a little more introspection. Also, I will mention, in case anyone didn't know, uh, a few years ago, this video clip went viral of her singing, I uh, I think we're alone now, and it not going well, and there was some hecklers in the audience. Anyway, I asked her about it. She sort of demurs, understandably. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this. She called me from her home in Nashville. Okay, so for starters, I need you to help me settle a debate that has been going on since you very first came out. Here's the deal. I'm from Salt Lake City originally. And as you know, at the beginning of your, I think we're alone now video, you're at the Ogden Mall, the mall in Ogden, Utah. Okay. And there were rumors, um, because I was about that age, there were rumors in Utah where I was growing up that you were either from there or you grew up Mormon or you had some connection to Utah and it was, I remember the, you know, the fury of these rumors going around school. No, this new singer, Tiffany, she's actually Mormon. She's from here. That's why the Ogden is in her video. <laughs> and so I've never um, known what, what the Sarah story is. Tell us what the story is. I'm not too sure to be honest. No, I'm not from Utah. I have no That's affiliation right. guys. Sorry. Uh, okay. Neither does my manager or anybody that I know of. Um, I think that maybe the videographer was from uh -huh. Utah. Oh, maybe. And okay. found some location places. That I'm that's a stretch, but I think <laughs> it might, it's possible. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny you say that. I've never found any evidence supporting those rumors that we had back in 87 <laughs> or whatever that was. But they were there for a while nonetheless. And so I thought I, now that I'm actually talking to Tiffany, I got to find out what the scoop you is. You got to find the scoop. I know. That's no, right. I exactly. But I okay. loved it. I enjoyed being there. <laughs> good. Oh, good. Very good. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about the new album, but uh, one last question about the old days. What do you, now you launched basically from one of these mall tours. What was the best and the worst thing about that tour? Oh, um, it, about the mall tour? Yeah, because um, isn't that really how you got your name able, out there? Yeah, I mean, the best thing about it was being able to eat pizza like almost every day. There's always and the Sparrows, right? The, <laughs> at, yeah, at the food court. <laughs> 
um, walking the walking the mall and like going, yeah, that's cool, you know, <laughs> making friends, lifelong friends, actually from sure. the mall tour. So I'm very, uh -huh. very, very, very thankful for that. Um, cool. And what else should I say? Uh, <laughs> then one thing that would be bad was, I mean, I guess not bad. But, you know, was, again, having to leave, you know, yeah. getting so big that it was like, oh, now we have to leave this really fun thing that mm -hmm. we're doing and go to these huge, you know, it's a it's a good problem to have. But sure. there was an intimacy at the mall yeah. that okay. was pretty kind of, you know, kind of can't recreate it. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, I remember that was so revolutionary at the time. I don't think we knew of anyone who had been launched from a mall tour not as successfully as you anyway so you kind no, of no i was the first one to yeah. do the mall tour and then yes after like it wasn't as successful and like i said you know it was like people were being crushed by the band by it was like okay we've got to go like we got to yes. go to bigger venues and again it's a great place but you know when it first started it was so hands-on and it was so you know being able to sign the autographs and hang out with your fans and go have pizza and then Go sing again, you know? It was really yeah. kind of organic and really cool. Good. Yeah, I've always wondered. Okay, let's talk about the new album because I I am sh I love Shadows. I love this album. And the thing that I think is really interesting is that it feels in some ways like you might have, it sounds weird to say this after all this time, but almost like found your voice. And the reason I say that is because, as you know, the beginning you're this pop chanteuse and then there's, you know, uh, there's a country album and there's dance albums, but the last two have been this really strong alternative rock, almost punk albums. And they're so good. And I'm wondering if this is more akin to what you want to do. You're not like chasing a trend, not that you were ever really doing that, but have you settled into something that feels more natural to you? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a really good way to say it. I mean, it's like, you, I've been shaking my head the whole time you've been saying, talking, because I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, you know, like a punk pop mixture of modern production, mm -hmm. you know, so it's progressive. Yeah. And, you know, but yet it's still, this especially, Shadows is kind of a wink back to the 80s True. a little bit, which I love. But the fun of the eighties, the easy of the eighties, whatever that was. I don't really know what that was, but yeah. there was something to it. And, you know, it's kind of a wink back to like just easy digestible music mm -hmm. that you just want to hear it go to the, you know, you're like, Oh, okay. I don't mm -hmm. know what's coming up, but I kind of do. Mm -hmm. This feels right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. There's something that, you know, yeah. some of these songs in the eighties were a little bit anthemic, you know? Yes. And yeah. I think Shadows kind of has a little bit of that. And I've always, you know, I've always loved songs like that. So, sure. but I mean, it just really did come out like naturally, but yeah, yeah we, we did talk about it. Like, what would I do? You know, my sauce, if you will, because I always call it like your your sauce, sauce, good you know? one. Yeah. and yep. you know, what's your sauce, you know? So I'm yeah. like, well, mine is like a little bit of this. It is a little mm -hmm. bit of country and it is a little bit of punk rock and it is a little bit of pop of course and it's commercial sure. and it's you know so um but you know but i'm mostly as a musician what i hunger for is the education and the validation and mm. the experience of doing modern mm. you know music Mm -hmm. And working with people that are progressive, you know, and I think that, you know, like everybody that's worked on this record has been like top notch. Yeah. You know, they gave their whole heart. They like came in with great ideas and, 
it starts there. I mean, we're like, you know, we're like a team. Yeah. So, you know, as a lyricist, I go away and we may all work on it together. Or I might, you know, go finish it off or might just come up with it myself. It could be any of it, but it's always inspired by what's happening around me mm. with the musicians. So let me ask you this. My favorite song in the album is Cried for the Last Time. I love it because I love your voice, those vocal inflections, especially in the chorus, take different turns than you think they're going to. And I was curious where that came from. You mentioning writing lyrics. I wasn't sure how, I don't know, I shouldn't say this, but I don't know how ha heavy a hand you have in your music now. Are you the one writing it? Are you the one these making are all a my, these are okay. all These are all my tragedies. Good. <laughs> yeah. Your tragedies. Nice. <laughs> yes. These are all, this is it. This is my therapy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm doing, you know, open therapy is what I Yes. <laughs> yes. It's where I just write about my life. Um, okay. And, but I mean, truthfully, yeah, no, I mean, this is, these are all my words. Okay. Like all these are all the things that that came out of me, and yeah. you know, bed of nails, bed of nails. That was the next one I was going to ask you about. Mark had come up with the title of Bed of Nails because we were, you know, dating. 
and it was getting complicated and all these kinds of things. And it wasn't easy. So he was like, you know, something about feel my bed and nails. And then, you know, he started with the melody a little bit and, you know, it just kind of progressed from there. And of course that was going to definitely make the album. Yeah. And as they were making the, you know, the music in the room next to me, as I, I'm in the kitchen at Rockfields, I'm always in Wales at Rockfield mm. Studios. So wow. um, they have this amazing, stu- amazing, amazing studio, but amazing kitchen as well. <laughs> so I'm always in the kitchen. I run in and out of the studio, which is right next door. Uh-huh. And I, I, you know, I like kind of just do like the memo voice memo record what they're doing. And then I go back and I'm starting to do like, you know, a rack of lamb with all the trimmings, wow. and, you know, like the whole nine yards. So they we're both creating, because I'm uh-huh. a true foodie. That's Let's Food with Tiffany is my food club. And okay. cookbook's I've, coming next, you know. Okay. I've got more questions way. about that. Good. Let's yeah, talk about so, that later. But that's but that, I mean, that's how, that's how this music is being made. It's very mm-hmm. family. It's very rural. It's very organic. It's very real. And then, you know, you just basically, I'm writing in the kitchen constantly. Mm-hmm. And I'm singing. And I'm, and I, you know, and then at the end of the night, usually we do a, a rough Mm-hmm. of every song that I've written. And then we we go back in the next morning and we start to knock it out. Wow. But like Bed of Nails was a take on a vocal. That was it at 11 o'clock wow. at night. First oh. take. First oh. time to sing it. <laughs> That's crazy because I was going to comment, your voice sounds so, uh, I don't know, like gritty, guttural. Like you're really reaching for places that I don't think it Tiffany goes to vocally end of very the often. Night, I had That's all it. these guys looking at me that were totally starving. I had made <laughs> a pork roast that was amazing and all this dinner. I believe it. And of course the foodie and me, I'm going, it needs to stay hot. So it was literally <laughs> like one, we're going to go in and do a rough take. That's it. So we have it tomorrow. We'll attack it. Not a problem. And I had been thinking all day long, you know, how am I going to really make this song interesting? Cause it's so powerful and it keeps growing yeah. before your very own eyes you're like yeah. holy shit what i commit to you know right. so but you know it was it, it just came out of it, it was the weirdest experience it just really came out of me i just felt free enough to sing tired enough to like go okay urgency enough of we just this just get this down there's no pressure yeah. and i just thought fuck it i'll just sing it you know and i'll just like uh-huh. let it go and that was it. And they all were looking at me like, oh, okay. <laughs> then I love it. Mark, I think he said, take another pass. Quit, take another pass. Maybe there's something here. Just take another pass. And we took another pass and it just wasn't as good. And then the wasn't next day we tried it and it wasn't good. And it was literally, it was like, wow. that's a one take. Like there was wow. some that just was good meant for to you. Be. Good so, for you. But okay. we've done it live and we can do it live. And that's good. the cool thing. <laughs> good. good. So I hadn't thought of this before. You mentioned Mark. I don't know who Mark is, but you're dating the guy you made the album with. Cause the I album sounds almost. Producer, yes. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> that probably happens from now and then. Every, that does rock... happen now <laughs> yes. and then. Um, because the album, another one of my favorite songs on it is uh, always in my head.
you mentioning this a minute ago, it sounds almost like a divorce album, or at least like a like getting through some shit album. You know what I mean? If you're writing the well, lyrics and yeah. so many of these songs I mean, we happen to be when we got together, we were both going through divorces, and, uh, and so it wasn't easy. So there was like, yeah, I mean, if you okay. you couldn't time it, like the worst time, <laughs> it was yeah. terrible. Um, yeah. But you know, so I mean, it was all of that, all the complications of all of that, it, you just all of it, you yeah. know. And and some of these songs on Shadows aren't necessarily my experience, but sure. they're close friends. And sure. what I went through as a friend, yeah. you know, um, yeah. so, you know, I mean, it's kind of a, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, but most of them, like, you know, the really bad ones for me. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Now, I, why do you go to Wales? I mean, that's, that's the, a famous studio still to this day. I, I know it's amazing. I mean, you know, I'm sitting there doing a vocal and I, and here again, I think this is the map. I really do. It sounds corny and cheesy, whatever. But they, I mean, if the walls could talk and you yeah. are my greatness. So I'm literally singing and behind me is the piano that Freddie Mercury wrote Bohemian Rhapsody on. Oh my gosh. Oh so, man. I mean, there is a vibe. I mean, that's where yes. everything created. That's the beginning. Yeah. Rockfield. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it, yeah, there's a great presence there. It's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's not scary. There's nothing scary. You sure. just. You do feel like this magical, free place to create and to really take a minute and tap because it's out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only a, like a little tiny village and it's a, one pub or two pubs. So, you know, and but it's beautiful. The stars mm -hmm. are gorgeous. I mean, that's, you know, that's where we get yellow from and all, you know, like it, wow. it's like these amazing songs that were written, yeah. from, you know, just the, the cool stuff that you yeah. know has happened the you know who's sat on the wall at rockfield who's been Amazing. you know yeah just so and you can kind of like i said you can definitely feel it you can kind of tap into it and it's pretty amazing you know so i think that as a writer i literally sit out there at the picnic table and watch mm -hmm. the pasture and the horses and i just these lyrics come and then i'm in the kitchen like i said you know, making food and that's writing lyrics. And that's what I do. So That's amazing. That. Considering everyone can make albums in their basement now, the need to go to big studios like this is becoming less and less. And you, of all, being an independent artist for as long as you have, the ability to go and, and record in this historic spot, um, that's got to change everything. Like you were saying, the, just the oh, feeling, yeah. the I mean, vibe. I'm going to keep doing it no Good. matter what. I'll save my pennies. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I have my own studio with Mark. We have our own studio at okay. home. So, you know, but I mean, and it's funny because like, you know, we're constantly improving it because mm -hmm. he's, you know, going to be recording other bands and moving forward. And I'm doing acting this year and all. Oh, kinds really? Of oh, nice. What so, are you yeah, doing? It's time to be, I'm doing my crazy sci-fi stuff, of course. <laughs> with, with Debbie Gibson? No, just with me. So, okay. You know, with some fun adventures. Good but for also, you. I'm doing a lot from the food, like we talked about yeah. with that food with Tiffany. And, yeah, um, tell me know, more about Gattas, that. of course, has a tour. So, a mini little oh, mini tour. So, you nice. know, we're going to do selective spot dates. We've okay. upped the production on the show. And we're going to go out. Of course, it's LA Guns, partial LA Guns, Scott Ooh. Coogan, and Johnny Martin, and nice. all my friends. And yeah, and so we're just gonna go and have a really good time. That's great. On okay. this one, and do 
smaller dates as far as the amount. Yeah. And then, but we're going over uh, into the UK and over into Europe this year. So wow. you kind of have to wow. pick where you want to be. You know, you can't sure. do it all. Yeah. So, and I've done a lot of touring in here in America. And thank God I was able to be doing some things in COVID and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Keep it going. So, but, you know, it's amazing because the UK fans have been so wonderful as well. And, yeah. and also we were just on the charts there. So, you know. Oh, nice. And of course we have family there because, you know, I used to live there. So, you know, it's just, it's I, don't know a, if I, I feel like England's a second home for me. So. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't think I knew you lived there. So. Well, um, Mark is British, so my boyfriend's um, British, so there, okay. there you go. But I did live there, yes. My best friend lived there. She's like my sister. Nice. Uh, so part-time, I stay there. And okay. yeah, it's just been something I've been doing for, gosh, Good for a for while you. now. Thank so you. Tell me more about the food stuff. The food stuff is taking over. It seems uh, as like well it. as you know, um, like I said, with shadows. So music and food uh -huh. is going to be like my spinning plates. But Two you know, of the best things in life. Yeah. Yeah. They go together. So more tip takeover experiences where you'll get shadows acoustic and that's the only place. Okay. Um, we've got, of course, Children's Miracle Network. We always raise money for throughout the year. So we've got mm -hmm. many events there that will incorporate, you know, incorporate food and shadows, of course, acoustic. So, you know, we're just working through it. But uh, the food is cookbooks now. Uh, I have a new cookbook coming out with a joint venture with a friend of mine from Blackbird Studios, actually. Yeah. Wow. He caters a lot of Martina McBride and John McBride's events. Um, so he's an engineer there and producer. And so, but, you know, I, I mean, just again, full circle, Tom is a great chef. He does, you know, more Southern, Midwestern, yummy, just down mm -hmm. home. And I'm doing international. My, from my travels inspired mostly pieces um and you know and kind of like power bowls and things like that french yeah. bowls but okay. you know i mean i love kanji i i love you know i love manchaka i love all mm. these different things they're like what who what? you know so i'm bringing all this international breakfast british breakfast all these different things to the table of you know my adventures and my travels and bonding with people over music and food really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a smart idea. I've seen you on those cooking shows. I think uh, I'm trying to remember what all they were. There was one that were you on with, was it Herschel Walker? And you guys were on like a, or am I, I thinking did, of the Coolio one? Rachel Ray versus yeah, Guy. Yeah, Rachel and Guy. Yeah, you did that one, didn't you? Yes. So I took it to, yes, we, I was, you know, I was at the final with uh, Penn. That's right. I remember and, now. Um, but, and then I was on with, no, it was Herschel as well, Herschel Walker. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, that was stressful. I loved I, it. I really did. But it was really stressful when you're like, talking yeah, things, like, I you bet. know, blanching a seafood salad. And I didn't know any of that shit before. <laughs> <laughs> I think Vanilla Ice was on that one too. And well, that was, was the funny thing because that was when, you know, now he's, I think he's like total vegan vegetarian. Oh, really? You know? And he had been that way for a while, but, you know, I don't think I knew that before. Hmm. I think he had been changed, you know, changed his life and diet yeah. and everything um, a couple of years before that. So, you know, when he, they gave me as a sous chef, they went and look, 
it's broad, you know, it's vanilla ice. And I was right. like, you can't touch anything. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Like, <laughs> we were kind of laughing at about it. He was like, I'm sorry, Tiff. I was like, no, I don't respect <laughs> what you're doing. I just don't know why they were thinking. Right. Like, Right. But I get it. It's good TV. So, okay, uh, I'll do it myself. <laughs> that is classic. It was so stressful. I was like, I got off the show and I was just like, I need a glass of wine. <laughs> yes, definitely. I need a bottle of wine. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so was, I've always, but I felt really good about, you know, I learned so much though. It was really sure. an honor to be there. I've always been curious. Is that what jump started your, I mean, were you always really into cooking and a foodie way before that? And that's why you were on the show or is your kind of new second career in foodieism because of appearances like that? No, I was always into food before that. Um, and I didn't really even put the dots together until I, you know, let's food started taking off. Yeah. And now we're, you know, we're promoting and pursuing cookbooks and, right. uh, you know, a career in food, if you will. So, yeah. you know, with that, I've now had to put resumes together and experiences and tell my bio. And I'm like, oh, it's always been there. I've yeah. always been sharing food and living. You know, I the reason why I was interested in food was coming home from the road mm. and trying to recreate those tastes as a part of like telling the story of the adventure, because how do you tell somebody, you know, in Norwalk, California, what Thailand was about, you know? Sure. It was like, yeah. So I tried to, like, I had pictures, of course, but, you know, I would, like, try to recreate some of the really amazing food that I loved. Because I've always been a foodie. So, okay. you know, I've, I mean, Arabic background, Southern background, German background. <laughs> Wild, a little bit of everything. On the borders of East LA, so boom. Yeah, a <laughs> little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to get introspective for a minute. Your career has is unlike anyone's el anyone else's, and there's a lot of ups and downs. And you've managed to survive, and you've also managed. I'm guessing in some ways that initial success with Think We're Alone Now is uh, a blessing and a curse. Maybe maybe you don't see it that way. I don't know, but you've kind of had to seek legitimate legitimization i guess ever since that you're not just this teenage pop star you can you're on your own as an artist too has that been difficult and if so what were the when were the difficult times when was it lean well i mean it's been you know kind of an ongoing thing i think this really? album's getting a lot of um yeah a lot of attention where it's like oh you know, and I'm, and I'm, I think that, I mean, I love it. I think it's great. I kind of chuckle. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, um, yeah. because it has been from the color of silence, really, we've been yeah. turning this corner and then we've been slowly doing stuff. And you're right. In between there, there was country and there was a few other projects because you got to keep working. And, and sure. I love music. Why am I going right. to say no to something that could be fun yeah. and could make some money so I can move on to do what I really kind of want, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Know? But why miss out on a project that just is fun? And if the fans are down with it, you know, yeah. I, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm here to create music. Mm -hmm. So, but my favorite is yes, this new platform. I've been waiting to really embrace something that would be my sound and we can have fun now from here, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's always been a struggle to validate myself I bet. always. I so bet. I just, after a while started to like, 
I think that's what this pieces of me and shadows really mm. are about is I'm doing music that I like yeah. I'm doing music that I think I, that my fans like, and that, you know, people that I like, hopefully will like you know it's like yeah. it's like i just want to do music for people of my you know uh, if like mind and sure and if it also finds somebody else and they change their mind they never heard this kind of music before or like they have they weren't into you know i don't know 80s music before right. they were into like you know the go-go's before but this maybe sounds a little different cool yeah yeah. You know, it's going to find yeah. its own kind of people and I, it's going to be a mishmash of people. And that's what I love about the new becoming Tiff shows. They're a little bit of old school, new school, young people, you know, rocker dudes to like yeah. <laughs> girls yeah. and neon. I'm like, sure. it is a party. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that listening to the new album because I've spun it many times and I like it a lot. And I thought it can't be easy for Tiffany to have to kind of still prove herself. And I wonder if she does have to do that. I wonder if it's a constant challenge of like, no, I'm not. I mean, I was that kid then, but I'm an adult now and I do other things and I think I'm pretty good at them as the new album would contest, you know? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you know, I just have to keep doing it. I mean, you just have to do it. You yeah. can't really think about like all of that because it takes the fun out of it really. Sure, so sure. you just have to like, you know, and that's not what I got into it for really. I, yeah. you know, I love singing and I love singing for people that enjoy my singing. I mean, uh -huh. it's so <laughs> right. Right. I get it. Um, okay. You mentioned the acting thing. I, what was the gator? What was the one you made with, you made a couple of them with Debbie Gibson on the sci-fi channel. Do you still, you still make those? Mega Python versus Gatorade. This is very serious stuff. <laughs> That's so, it. I was trying to remember the name. I watched it when it came the out. the world and, you know, on our off time <laughs> from being pop queens. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> now, be, okay, so you two don't actually have a, maybe there was a competition or a... We don't you know, actually do that, no. No, no, no. okay. Well, um, I knew you didn't no, actually we, save no, the world, we, but yeah. We, well, I mean, no, we're good friends and we okay. get a chuckle. We would think we would do it for music and, you know, do more uh -huh. things together. But we love, both love sci-fi and we both okay. really enjoyed it. And, you know, would we do it again? Probably. Yeah. Um, I like I said, I'm doing some sci-fi this year, so just on my own. But Genius. I, you know, I definitely think that she probably would be open to doing some stuff. It's fun. It was really yeah. a good fun. It really was a lot of fun. I bet. I remember when that came out, and I watched it. And they were—I don't think sci-fi does it as much anymore. But that channel was making all the like Sharknado, making all these great sci-fi fun movies with oh, yeah. actors and actresses that we don't see as often anymore. And and I was, I mean, number one, it's fun to see them. And number two, it's great that they have more work and it's great that those movies are popular and everything. That was a good time. Well, it's, I mean, it definitely is. It's like, I think they still are doing some of those like kind of movies, but I yeah. mean, you know, yeah, sci-fi, we were one of the bigger sci-fi events, uh, especially yeah, for that I remember. year. And yeah. we were we were quite bright. I had a blast yeah. to it. I really did. The the kid in me. Yes. Uh, I was always a tomboy. So there you yes. go. <laughs> okay. Cool. I thought so. I thought that was fun too. Okay. We can cut this out if you want. Do you have anything? That video went viral of you singing and the, the on on uh, YouTube or whatever. And I think I don't remember what the 
full story was. I would feel weird if I didn't ask, but I don't have to. Do you have anything to say about it? I don't have anything to say. The truth will come out. Okay. 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 I had a feeling there was a story there and I thought, I wonder if she'll tell me what it is. So eventually that will come out. Okay. Okay. My last question, because we're running out of time. You having been in this business for 35 years or something like that, um, you've probably met everybody and you probably met a lot of amazing people before you were even old enough to realize how special it was that you were having some of these experiences. When you look back, what is the story that you just can't believe about your life, about this musical career of yours? You met someone, you performed for someone, you hung out with someone, you dated someone. What is it? Well, I mean, all of those things are, um, yeah, yeah. I could like say it was amazing to meet Michael Jackson. It was amazing yeah. to have a record. It's been amazing to travel the world. It's been amazing to like, you know, do the Budokan or like major, you know, like major, major, like be at Rockfield or, you know, be part of yeah. all of that. Um, but I think like overall, just the whole, whole of all, like all of it, really? like the whole experience just to be still taking it in. I mean, what are really the odds that you're I, like I some know. girl from Norwalk with no parents that are in the music industry that like, you know, you're going to really make it. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I, I really had this, I always practiced like I was going to make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was serious even at two. I was committed. So, you know, I mean, it's like, it's weird. I yeah. look at, I go, you know, it, that doesn't happen for everybody, you yeah. know, and they're just as committed, if you will. So, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm part of those stories in music where it's like, yeah, she was always doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it really did happen, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I, I don't know what that is, but it was like, yeah. you, you're born that way and you just know to like, keep going and yeah. that's what you seek and that makes you happy. And I mean, I've been singing literally since I could talk um, and, and, and then practicing when nobody was telling me to practice anything. There wasn't yeah. anything to practice. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just it. was always practicing performing. And then my mom put me in dance really to mm. like get me out of hair, really. Yeah. She was just like, oh wow, you need to do something with that. <laughs> so she put me in dance. Um yeah. and I was not shy. That it, that only magnified the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was okay. Like, and sparkles, I get to do this. And wear sparkles, yes, yes, people. That's Curl great. my hair. Thank you very much. That is great. I love it. So I. Uh, so then, I. One thing I am always curious about, though. I mean, you've proven to be a survivor in the in the business through diversifying all this time. When that second album comes out, and it's not quite as successful as the first, how do you? Are you even aware that that's going on? Are, are people okay, telling you yeah. anything? So how, how is that? for? I don't know. You're probably like 19 years old or something like that. Well, no, I had a, I had a special little, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's two ways to look at it. You know, harsh could be one, but also educated. Okay. And, you know, for me as a survivor in the music business, it actually helped me. But, yeah. you know, my producer and manager at the time, you know, when things would not go our way, he, you know, and a lot of times it was him pulling other strings, wanting to do other 
songs and the label picking certain things. And, you know, it just, uh, those age old arguments between the management and the label. But when things weren't going well, and sometimes there were people caught up, you know, the Mm A&R guy, whatever, somebody didn't do their job. Mm -hmm. I was always told about it even mm-hmm. though I was only 16, 17, okay. you know, for program directors to say, Hey, tell her why you won't add her record, you know? Yeah. And they're like squirming. Yeah. They're like, uh, yeah. oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't want to have to tell her to her face. No, you know, I <laughs> yeah. want you to tell her why she's here today doing mm-hmm. a concert for you. Yet. You're not going to add her current single. Yeah. So she's doing all of this because there's a barter system between artists and da da da, and then he goes into all of this, and they're just like, no, no, wow, wow. <laughs> so See, that's I, the underbelly like, of the business. I right kind there. of early got the gist of what was happening, and you yeah. know how it, it's worked, and and why it does. But yeah. you know, still, you know, you have to ask those questions as a manager. So I was very much aware. And in late night dinners, I stayed up for all of them while Mm -hmm. I was, you know, performing with the Jets. They were going home ordering pizza and (laughs) hanging out. And I'm like at these boring A&R like (laughs) dinners until like two in the morning with all these dudes, you know, and I, but I'm like, but I am listening Uh and I did, I really did take it all in, you know, so it's benefited me over the years that way that it gave them. Was it around then like the third album or so when you finally started to feel like you had your own voice, like you could write your own songs or have input in the lyrics and all that? No. It was like uh, early 90s. Oh. Is when I started working with my band members and just a girlfriend of mine had a studio. She was dating an engineer Mm. and then they were getting married together. So they moved in and bought a house and quickly put the studio up. So I'd go over there and we'd write songs and all of my mutual friends and some Mm -hmm. of my mates. And we, I just started writing Mm -hmm. like with my band, I could be free. I could, I didn't know anything about really, you know, writing. And then when I came to Nashville uh, again in the, er, in the late, like mid 1990s, late 90s, I started writing with one of my, became one of my road managers, but a good friend of mine, her husband, and he oh. was a songwriter here in Nashville. And he really honed in, if you will, yeah. the preciseness of my songwriting skills. That's you great. Know? Yeah. yeah. That's great. So it's, been, it's been musicians that have helped me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I wondered what that path has been like to have to, like I mentioned earlier, kind of legitimize you um, to the people who may not, who may have put you in a box as being one thing. And I thought, how does, how does Tiffany break out of that box? Because shadows is worth hearing for anybody. I mean, it's almost going to be, you have to convince them like this might be the Tiffany you think, you know, from, I think we're alone now, but it's a whole different thing and it's better and it's great. Trust me on this. You know what I mean? That's kind of, it feels like you got to just play. You got to beat that drum. I mean, we got to just keep doing the music and it'll find it, you know, yeah. The people and it'll get the word out and you just have to have he's got to do the music i mean yeah. i'm not going anywhere and the music is you know we're committed this whole year yeah. to like doing you know some music like i said go what? overseas and go you know we're excited to like take it even to australia we're talking like some parts of asia cool. so i mean we're just branching out now and this music does deserve to go worldwide yeah, and see all of my fans and make the fans and new adventures cool 
Well, good. Well, I'm happy to help spread the word. Thank you, Tiffany, for talking with me. I just, I find your story fascinating. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Of course. Perfect timing, too. I just pulled into my driveway. Oh, perfect. (laughs) All right. There you have it, Tiffany. Again, give Shadows a try. You will be surprised, pleasantly surprised. If you think you know what Tiffany's all about, Shadows will probably change that because it's a really strong rock record. Now, we're switching gears completely in a different direction, and we're talking to Mark Burgess, who's the frontman for the Chameleons. I think most of you know, Chameleons are one of the greatest bands, I think, ever. Hugely, hugely underrated. I've also talked about this before, too. Earlier this year, I think it was August, one of our listeners, Steve Howard, who lives in Southern California, knowing that I'm a huge Chameleons fan, contacts me and he says, John, I've got Mark Burgess performing in my backyard this month. Any chance you would be willing to come out here and see it with me? And I said yes. I got the wife to approve. So I I flew to Southern California, and uh, I spent the night in a hotel, and I went over to Steve's house, and about 10 of us watched him perform in Steve's backyard. And it was one of the most interesting and magical experiences ever. And so I desperately wanted, I got to know Mark pretty well that night. We talked about some things. He agreed to come on the show. And so here we are discussing all of those things. Now, the first part of this conversation is he gets pretty deep into what it takes to become an independent artist. He's sort of been fighting for his independence for many, many years. And uh, it's it's not easy, but he does it. And that's kind of what he dwells on for about the first half of this conversation. Then we get into some other things. As some of you may know, we had the drummer of the Chameleons on a few years ago, John Lever. And sadly, he passed away shortly after that interview came out. And at the time, they, Mark and John had had a bit of a falling out. And so I asked Mark about that, and he talks about what was really going on there. And what's interesting is I only really hear it from John and John's girlfriend at the time, Lisa Rankin's um, perspective. So he sets a lot of that straight. I'll be honest, if you're not a Chameleons fan, you may not care about any of this. It's a pretty deep, Chameleons-focused conversation. Plus, Mark has had several other uh, side projects. The Sun and the Moon, solo albums, and it's kind of confusing. It's hard to keep up on all of it. And there's a lot of like reissues. There were only really three Chameleons albums from that peak period. Script from the Bridge, What Does It All Mean? Anyway, is that what it's called? And Strange Times, which is my favorite album of theirs. There was a reunion album. There's tons of live albums and B-sides and reissues and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, we get into a little bit of all of it. But um, if you're not a fan, it may go over your head. But if you are, I think you'll appreciate all of this, okay? Mark called me from his home in Dallas. Okay, so when we met last month, you said something that I'll never forget. Steve and I were telling you something that I know you hear a lot, which is that Chameleons are one of the most underrated bands in history and how we wished so much that you guys had been bigger. And you looked at me straight faced, very defiantly. and You said, no, you don't. And I was like, what? Of course we do. No, no, you don't. And I wondered why you felt that way. Um, Because I think, you know, you have to, you have to be aware that the 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 band is what it is and sounded the way it sounded and developed the way and the music developed the way it did because um, we weren't super huge and I think if we had been, 
we would have been would have been very different, and we wouldn't be the chameleons that people know and remember. I mean, all of that it was essential. If any if anything had had, had been different, I I don't really. I mean, I, I to be quite honest, with you, I don't think the music would have it wouldn't have had the same potency if we'd if we'd been propelled to onto into that level of I think you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we didn't have anything co- in common with that. We would have all felt really, I think, awkward by that. And I mean, it's obviously it's impossible to say what would have happened. It's pure speculation. But I, I, I think that the the underground nature of the band and the, and and the struggles that we had and the way that we had to get the music made and all of that was intrinsic to to what made the band special. I think you're probably right. And I think uh, something else I read into that comment that you made is that people, music fans especially, love to root for underdog bands like Chameleons. We love to believe that we're the we're the chosen ones that are carrying the torch for this <laughs> band that we love so much that the rest of the world doesn't know. And if they knew, we would love you less. Well, maybe. I mean, yeah, there's certainly a lot of that, I think. Um, yeah. You know, I think people. You know, there's a lot of people who are fans of music. I mean, I am a fan of music. Um, who like to feel that they've got something that they're into something really good that that that's a secret that, 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 yeah. that they know about. I'm not one of those people, actually. You know, when I discover a band, it does frustrate me that they're not more widely known. Um, I've heard incredible albums from bands, uh, really great albums, and that have gone right under the radar. Because the band haven't had the exposure, yeah. So I mean, I'm not like that. I I, I want the bands that I like to be successful, mm-hmm. you know, sure. badly successful. Sure. Um, but I understand that. I understand that when I was younger, it was really cool to be into bands that nobody. I mean, you know, I was a punk very early on, and when a lot of my schoolmates didn't get it, you know, they weren't they, they, they weren't tuned into it. And I remember feeling really miffed when a uh, this kind of straight friend I had called Barney um, got into Blondie after after Blondie had, <laughs> Blondie had been on television and, he, and Deborah Harris set, set the media on fire. Of course, and he started obsessing about them and everything. And I felt really affronted by that because I'm thinking, well, no, they're ours, you know. Yeah, they're not mainstream pop group. They're a fucking punk band. So, <laughs> right. I, you know, when I was younger, I, I may have thought I'd had those leanings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, along partnered with that feeling of you guys should have been bigger, is a concern or a focus of fans that you're okay? Is a is a desire that Mark Burgess, his talent is so strong, we want to know that at least he's taken care of. And when you, that was another thing that you were saying that night, is that you really have no regrets. You like the career you've had. It's yeah. had a little bit of everything, and it's never been huge, but it's been enough, and you like that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the the levels of celebrity that actually are more of a hindrance than an advantage in life, and I think this, you know, they uh, not only do they give you a, a, a completely detached view of of reality, but they they can get in the way of you doing things, you know, and um, they can get in the way of the freedom, and the freedom was always. The freedom that comedians gave me to be able to like pretty much do what I want, and I'm not I'm not wealthy or anything, but um, it's given me that freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I treasure that really. Yeah, yeah, I, I covet that. So anything that would that would infringe upon that, um, you know, privacy yeah. and uh, anonymity to a certain extent. I mean, it's nice when people come over and say hello. I mean, it happened yeah. in Roxy Music. The way I was in Roxy Music in Dallas, and um, before I knew who I was, where people yeah. left me up and saying hello, and that's really, really nice because it's very really? respectful and. You know, but yeah. I've known people that have gone like mega big in Manchester and stuff that like yeah. like the Gallagher's, you know, that couldn't yeah. even go down and buy milk without being hounded. You know, <laughs> they couldn't even go and buy couldn't buy couldn't go to a supermarket or anything. Obviously, in terms of resources, that's where it bites because you're constantly having to figure out how you're gonna get something done and we're, we're we, you know we our contemporaries are far more successful it seems commercially than we are don't have those kind of problems and yet you're still expected to you know match that kind of in terms of like touring and stuff like that you know yeah um, and it up until the last couple of years it's never been a problem um because we have such a strong audience mm -hmm. such a strong tribe of people um, that are willing to support this and and, and um, stack buyers and everything, but just what's been happening to the industry this last two years has really put a lot of uncertainty into the uh, future of independent music and independent yes. acts and independent yes. brands. And um, ironically, though, having said that, ironically, I'm not as independent now as I as, as I would like to be. Mm. Um, I'd like I'd like more independence. I'd like to be able to um, have a little bit more control. Um, over how we play and perform and tour and stuff like that. So, really, it's a bit of a, yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, and what I might have said to you when we met, mm -hmm. I, I, I think the result of the last two years of, of what it's done to the industry, not just in America. In America, you know, it's limping mm -hmm. through. It's limping forward. Bands are still touring. Not a lot of venues closed, but not all of them. And um, you know, it's kind of just about. It's creaking, but it's it's yeah. still lumbering forward. In England at the moment, it's it's a real problem. With Brexit Brexit has created a real problem for touring bands there. I mean, uh, I was having this conversation. This is why I was I was a little late to our meeting. Mm. You know, we're having a conversation about the way it is in Europe on the mainland in the moment on the continent, and it's just becoming impossible. And we we're we're a band that has a very strong audience on the continent. So yeah, Christ knows how. Uh, Bands that are still trying to find their audience that are still developing newer bands coming through, how yeah. they're going to do it. I have no idea. We're is, this a, is this a visa issue? Is it is does Brexit make it difficult for Englanders to travel throughout European Europe? Yeah, it, it's partly a, a visa issue in that um, our industry, and um, I don't just mm. mean independent rock music, but all forms of uh, touring, performance art, um, orchestras. Um, you know, um, all elements of, of cultural performers across the cultural spectrum um, are finding the same thing. And it's it, it's really down to the fact that touring in Europe um, mm. isn't a regimented thing. You know, you can't really do it on a limited visa because you've got so many countries to cross, cross mm -hmm. to. We used to tour from southern Spain and Portugal right the way up to Scandinavia. And... Um, you know that mm -hmm. is an issue now. That is an issue because you're only oh, allowed a of time, you know, to do it, and yeah. and it's it's become so limiting. But it's also the fiscal aspects of it. I mean, the, the, the taxation side of it now is completely different. Um, import and export means you can't 
uh, take merch with you anymore because it's oh, just becomes wow. unviable. It's a real, real mess. Our industry, that entire industry that I'm talking about, that entire yeah. spectrum of performance arts, was completely ignored in any of the negotiations with Brexit. It wasn't even talked about. Oh. Uh, it was talked about very briefly. I mean, and the European, yeah. the EU, to be fair, the EU um, offered from the get-go to... Um, um, introduce a visa waiver program for musicians and artists, and the British refused. They refused oh. it because the British didn't want to re- we didn't want to uh, reciprocate. They didn't want to give oh, European yeah. artists free reign to enter. Oh the no! Country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what so a mess! It, yeah, it's a complete mess. And then there's that you're contending with, and then there's the kind of the slow, the slowness in actually remedying what is essentially a billion dollar industry. Yeah, uh, they're not really moving fast, if at all. And then to add insults or injury, we're actually being lied to because yeah. they 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 came out and said, "Oh, yeah, twenty three of the twenty, um, I think it's twenty six European states that compromised the EU have agreed waiver um, mm. work permits," and um, that was absolutely untrue. There's all, only mm. one country signed up for that, and that was Spain, and the rest of them are still. Um, refusing to do that so the the future of touring for independent bands in in, in is in a real it's a real jeopardy wow um, and over here it, um, it's more fiscal it's more financial the the actual yeah. logistical costs of touring has gone, gone through the stratosphere and um, we're struggling to see how it can be done really yeah that um i'm guessing house concerts like the one that i met you at those I don't, maybe they're done sort of under the table. Maybe that's just a nice sort of, you know, check or bump to some money you can make doing what you well, do. That, well, that, that's ironic. I mean, that's all I did myself. Did you? I okay. Didn't, I, did, I didn't do that tour with any element of the, of the industry. Uh, my agent, um, in fact, lambasted me for doing it. Uh, my agent was very upset that I did it. But, I, I could see the writing on the wall with yeah. the mission tour. I could see that. Um, I could see the problems emerging when, when, you know, they hadn't booked, they didn't get a bus in time. They didn't. They then, and then when finally it wasn't, they couldn't get a bus at any price. They were, they mm. were bulking. They were bulking at the increased price of the logistical toss, cost of touring. They were bulking at that. And then they dragged their feet so long. They just got worse. And then by the time they were pushed into action, um, it was an availability issue. So mm. there was that. And then the visa situation was the same. They they failed to take into account the COVID backlog at the London Embassy. Mm. So I could see all of these problems. And I was being told I couldn't move on anything until they were sorted because it, they were intrinsic to the tour. Mm. Without mission, the tour wasn't going to happen. So yeah. I couldn't move on my visas either. So it, it all became a complete hot mess. And... Um, mm. Then, then the mission turned around and said, oh, well, we're going to see postpone it till next year and see if things are better then. Um, but I could oh. see that I could see that coming. And I'm a work, I'm a jobbing musician. I need to work, you know, yeah. especially yeah. since I've been living in this country. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, I uh, I saw that writing on the wall and I took matters into my own hands and I organized my own tour. Yeah, yeah. And it was the most rewarding tour I've ever done on a variety of levels. And really? I mean that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that by a big margin. Margin. It was a, it was the most enjoyable tour that I've ever done. It Good. was the most personally rewarding tour 
that I've ever done. It was financially the most successful tour that I've ever done. Good. Uh, so I mean, good. And then at yeah. the end of it, I came off. I came off that tour feeling really, really positive about everything. Good. It was um, invigorating. It was. It was. Um, in, um, uh, you know, I, was, I felt vindicated in yes. some ways. It was um, a very deep um, experience, yeah. um, as well as as well as uh, you know the 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 the, the surface level. That's of great. Absolutely enjoying it. It was a, it was a it really galvanized me in a lot yeah. of ways. And, and to, so for then for my agent then to absolutely lambast me for doing it mm. and tell me that she's dealing with fallout from it and all the rest of it. Ooh. It was just yeah it was just um i don't believe what she was telling me to be quite honest um, yeah but, but i wonder is she saying that because she didn't schedule it herself did she miss I out think on so. I some think kind of an cut element, or something yeah okay. i think there's an element of that because i did actually initially go to my agent and say well look you know yeah in the meantime i need to do this of course and i was told i was told that the type of tour that i was contemplating um it was impossible for them to book they said, mm. well, we can't do it. It's impossible. I think I got like two shows from uh, proposed by them and mm. um, neither of them were, you know, and yeah. I was just like, well, I don't believe that it's impossible. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I booked tours for them in the past. I, I booked tours for the chameleons in the past. I booked a US and uh, coast to coast in Canada tour in 2002. I did all of that myself. I didn't have yeah. an agent. Um, and, um, I did uh, a, another one when I when when went out with um, Black Swan Lane some years yeah, ago with David Um I did that tour as well. So you know, it's not that I had, had any experience of it, and I, mm, I kind of know, really. you know. But this was something completely different. I, I accept that it was it was yeah. uh, for me anyway. Not, not others have done it. Other people have done it, and this is the only way Lloyd Cole. That is the only way Lloyd Cole works. He won't work sure. any other way. But I've never done it quite like that. I'd, I'd kind of dip, dip my toe. Yeah, in the in the in the concept of uh, doing these like doing these kind of shows, but um, I'd never done a tour, and I didn't expect it to be thirty eight day tour. I expected it to be maybe 12, 12 days or something. Right. I didn't really envision the, the the huge. That's the biggest tour that I've ever done. I've never done a tour that's that great. big in all my that's life. Great. So, um, well, when that mission then, tour got scuttled like that with the theater yeah. of hate, I mean, you had to do something to fill your time. You know. I and that one that tour I was so bummed Wayne's been on here and I was looking so forward to seeing all three of you guys because I love you all a lot and when it got canceled I, I think I probably assumed it had something to do with COVID maybe it didn't but um you had well, to only, come up only with an alternative so much, somehow only as so much as the COVID as COVID um, restrictions is kind of what brought it down not a person dealing with no COVID. no it wasn't yeah. it wasn't so much the restrictions of it it was it was basically the knock-on effect from that has created a huge backlog mm. at the london embassy Got it. so if you're going through the london embassy which i don't actually because i'm here but um mm. if you're going through the london embassy then um your time uh your waiting time is is has yeah. been stretched um unless you pay a hell of a lot of money to expedite yeah. and um, and I'm and I mean a lot of money. I mean, um, we're talking about anything what was from from twelve to fifteen thousand dollars to just sure. to expedite the, sure. the visas. Yeah. And they didn't want to pay it, and, and I don't blame them yeah. either. I yeah. don't want to pay it either. But um, you know, it, it 
but it because because we were all we were all waiting on them for so long, uh-huh. Uh-huh. nothing else got done, and um, everything was kind of like a last minute, you know. So let me, let me ask you a money question. If this is too sensitive, I'll cut it out. So I, I'm curious if if let's say the mission, let's say that falls to you. You're you have to pay the twelve thousand dollars to expedite this um, visa or whatever. Are you going to make that up? on the on the tour when it's a tour like that one where it's three bands that are great yeah. but also sort of cult favorites are you yeah. going to make that up you can but uh, it, it just make, makes it um extremely difficult okay um, you probably have to sell a lot be, of t-shirts yeah, it can be done. And records I mean, and stuff <laughs> not from records i mean records uh, don't no but records get. sold at your gigs i mean oh yeah yeah well even that i mean you know I won't be putting vinyl on this tour that I'm doing now because I have to, the, 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 the amount, it, it costs so mm. much now to buy them in. I'd have to mm. sell them for like $30 to ah. make it a viable thing. And you, when you can go down to Walmart and get it for 22, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It makes, yeah. You know, even if I, you know, so, you know, people have been saying, oh, you, you know, you want me to prostitute myself? Oh, no, I'll sign them, and it'll. I don't want to do that, you know. Really. Yeah. Um, I and I get asked for, you know, I was getting asked for vinyl a lot, and I, it was a supply and demand issue. But because um, I like vinyl records, I mean, I, you know, I like, mm-hmm. I, I still, I still buy vinyl records, and I still collect mm-hmm. vinyl records, even if I don't actually play them, to be honest, because it's a fetish <laughs> with me. But uh, you know, I, I couldn't, but I couldn't for what they were, for what I was having to buy them in at. Mm-hmm. You know, from the um, from the label, from the distributor, from the label. Yeah, it wasn't. It, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. So, yeah. you know, oh. you, you know, merchandising is is kind of you know it is important and everything. But I, again, I bulk at it really because it, yeah, I, I, you know, it's got very little to do with music. But you are, of course. it is a way that it is a way that people can support the band. So I get that. So yeah. I mean, you know, we we do try and, and, and get it together. Um, yeah, I want to ask you. Oh, my patrons, have, I'm just going to say, my patrons, uh, Patreon has been a lifesaver for me because I would have got through. I don't think I would have survived. You know, my, my, it, I would have been all yes. over. Maybe that is bit. great. I noticed that on your website, and yeah. um, I mean, thank goodness for the goodness for the fandom and the goodness and the hearts of our fans you know what i mean yeah you're yeah. so and, and, grateful and, but at the end of the day see the, the, the thing is is because um of the of the industry element because the industry now is kind of like scrambling to to, to know how to react mm-hmm. to this onslaught that's on the industry um and they don't really fucking how to do it they're still trying to do it in very traditional means it's 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 those people that are supporting you that are getting burned yeah. Because That's they're true. the ones that they're the ones that are booking hotels and flights mm. and buy and, and and willing to pay a little bit more for their tickets and all the rest of it, and then ending up with 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 nothing uh, mm. to, at the end of it and being asked to wait another twelve months. Uh, yeah. I mean, she was complaining to me that people are so yeah, uh, people are, um, are getting refunds on their tickets. He said, well, "What do you expect them to do?" Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> you know. You know, it's, uh, they probably lost money on uh, hotel rooms as well. Yeah, they probably yeah. won't get back. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're the ones. They're the ones that end up getting shafted, and 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 that does not sit right with me. And I think that yeah. if I had made managerial errors that had caused the suspension of that tour, mm-hmm. I would hold my hands and say, "Fuck's up! It's my mm-hmm. fault." But I didn't. 
Yes. I didn't, and, I, and our audiences are, are, are got got burned because of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a particularly difficult situation because I had timed the CD release for that tour. So oh. then, I have to the, then I have to go to the label and go, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. And they just put it out. Um, and, you know, that really does not sit right that with me. So I'm, I'm going to try my... my, my um, aim now yeah. is try to be try to get as independent as possible uh, from here on in yeah. um, so that this is where the book stops and i'm going to make sure that you know things get done in time and i'm going to yeah. make sure um, that we do things right because i can't i don't want to you know it takes yeah. all the joy out of it, you know what i mean i can't I do it all now and it was it, it was the, this this was like i was explaining this to my agent i'm like well uh-huh. You've left me in a completely. I said, you, you, I said, I don't know why you have the gall to 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 lambast me for doing my uh-huh. own tour because if I hadn't done that. I'd be looking at eviction notices. So yeah. that you, you know, and then she went, "Well, my your personal uh, financial situation is not my responsibility." I said, "No, your responsibility is to get me work. That is That's what right. your responsibility is." <laughs> That's right. And you didn't, and you failed uh-huh. the entire year. And yeah. then so, so she said, well, we want you to do the research. And I said, I'm not sure that chameleons are going to be available to do the, um, the mission tour in 2023. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I, honestly can't, I honestly can't say that. Yeah. So then I just going, well, you know, we'll save this situation. And she was the one who got us on with She Wants Revenge. So we're doing, uh, the, opening. We're doing the opening. From, you know, but yeah, but initially it was like the 1st and 30th. Then it became the 1st and the 13th. And I'm saying, well, if it's the 1st to the 13th, given the cost, of, of actually doing so I'm going to need more shows yeah you know? yeah and that was like pulling teeth you know oh so I'm like well wow. I'm not gonna you know because I want to be excited about going on tour I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be completely stressed and yeah the substance thing in LA it's a big deal you know yeah uh, and they've already pulled it forward since Friday so we're going right on our, uh, in, before um, the Jesus and Mary chain and I want us to be firing on all four cylinders and it's just they've put me in impossible situations you know? wow this is such a so, business lesson are the chameleons today you and dave no no dave it's just involved. you it's okay. me and reg or reg i'm sorry yeah i said the wrong word okay so it's you and reg these days yeah but i don't think we're going to get his visa in time so i've had to he's in england that. right yeah yeah he's in england yeah. okay but because of you know even then yeah. it, like, he said, this and that. I said to the, I said to the agent, and I said, like, well, it's all well and good you're coming up with these alternative dates, but we've still not got the visa. And they said, well, we've got, we'll, we'll, um, we're, we're, we're going to move on that. We're going to move on that. And, yeah. they, and they didn't. And they didn't. And then, and even then, I was looking at, uh, how much was I? I was looking at thirteen and a half thousand dollars to expedite Reggie's visa. Visa oh. one, visa oh. thirteen and a half grand. And I was oh. going like, well, okay, we'll do it. You know, we'll do yeah. it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And um, but then even then even then spending that kind of money, which is mainly lawyers' money, it's not the U.S. Yeah. government's money. It's lawyers. Yeah. Um, they came back and they just said, "Oh, well, we don't think we can. You know, we might be able to get him in for the second week of the." And I'm saying, "I forget it." No. Yeah. So yeah. so um, I don't. I mean, it's still in the balance, but I don't think we're going to get Reggie's visa in time. So oh, and that I, hurts. Oh yeah. man. So I got I got to work with someone else. Oh man. And I can't get out of it. Yes. <laughs> no kidding. I can't get out of it. I have um, to walk away from it, but I can't. Oh, that sucks. Uh, we would love to see that. Um, okay. 
let's talk about some music things for a minute. When we met, uh, you told me that Strange Times was your favorite Chameleons album. And yeah. I agreed because it's my favorite too. I think most people scripted the bridge being the debut, that iconic album cover. That's the one people go to. But you and I feel strongly about Strange Times. Why do you yeah. say that? Yeah, because I think, well, it's just purely selfish uh, uh, thing. I, I, I personally think it was the best work um, that I personally turned in for the band. I think the, um, I think the performances and and uh, lyrically, um, yeah. it's it's very very strong. I mean, you know, I kind of get "Scrimps to the Bridge," and I, you know, it is. You know, Scrimps the Bridge isn't really uh, always going to be a, a firm favourite with me because we were, it was such a great blast doing it. You know, yeah. it was like yeah. everyone was getting on with each other. We were all really enjoying what we do. We were, we were, we were kind of full of ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, um, as 20 some, you know, 20, we were only 22, 23. So, I mean, that's normal. Um, the ego thing is like, well, we'll do it ourselves, which is pretty remarkable given that we'd started with Steve Lillowite and the people at the BBC would work with some seriously good people. So the idea that we could just then do it ourselves when we couldn't get our own way, because we, they, they, you know, we wanted to go to certain studios and stuff like that, and CBS didn't want us to do that without a producer. You know, they said, well, if you get a producer in place, we'll do it. And we didn't want to work with any of the others that they were putting forward. So we just said, well, we'll do it ourselves. And they wouldn't let us go into um, into a, a top-flight studio ourselves without a producer. So we did it in the studio that we recorded all our demos in. And we had yeah. such a great time doing it. And, um, you know, it yeah, I mean, it was our first album and it was really yeah. exciting. But having said all of that, Strange <laughs> Times, Strange Times is my favorite album that yeah. we did together because I personally am very uh, gratified. I won't say satisfied. There's all obviously some things I'd like to have done differently, but uh, certainly gratified by uh, it. I thought we'd made a killer record. And yeah, um, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. I want to ask you. Soul in Isolation is one of my favorite songs of all time. It, last time I checked, it's like around seven, eight, nine somewhere in my top ten favorite songs of all time. Nothing speaks to the um, tension of alienation quite like that song. And that, that goes for most of the chameleons. I think that's the magic that people are touching on when they say how great you guys are, because it's your 
It's your singing and lyrics about fundamental uh, alienation in all of us, mixed with music that's matching the darkness and the fe- the sensation of that feeling. Yeah, and no one else quite does it like you do. Tell me how you came along to Soul in Isolation. Well, parts of it um, were an idea that um, we came up with very, very. I mean, like practically day one, mm-hmm. and. Um, it became it became known as Dear Dead Days. We did it around just before we got the first Peel session, and it wasn't it was meandering. It wasn't really going anywhere, so it got dropped. Um, and when we got the Peel session, and we moved, we went on from there. And um, everyone kind of forgot about it except me. So when we were coming to, to do the writing for Strange Times, we were working in this um, community hall place up in the Lake District, and uh, we had all our gear set up there. We'd go there every day. Um, to get out, of, we had a lot of distractions in Manchester. Mm-hmm. So the idea was to get away from the distractions and, you know, knuckle down to writing this record. And um, we were jamming something out, and it came to me. It just came to me that uh, this, I, you know, this uh, that it, I thought, oh, it'd be, it's a perfect. This would, this idea would be perfect for this to marry to this idea we're doing now. So we kind of married the two together. Um, and then when we went into the studio with Dave Allen. We had um, about, I think we had about three or four days pre-production before we actually started putting music uh, down. And um, we were working through it and we just arranged it. But I didn't have any lyrics for it until I actually did it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's quite often the way it works. Um, I'd, work with, I'd work with the guys on getting the arrangements and getting the, getting the you know, mm-hmm. the idea, solidifying the idea. And then the mood of the idea would then yeah. help me get the theme. And I'd watched an interview with Patrick McGowan, hmm. um, who was who was a childhood hero of mine. Hmm. Um, he was a bit of a role model for me when I was a kid. My dad wasn't really much of a role model. Hmm. Um, I love my dad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, sure. you know, I had a great relationship with my father, but he was a rotten role model. Patrick's character in The Prisoner was. The perfect role model because I I related to it, I, um, even as a child I related to that that sense of alienation and and this onslaught on your individuality and on your freedom. I kind of related to that. I used to imitate him. I used to imitate him at school. I used to walk down the corridor looking really um, enigmatic and I'd pull doors open and fire doors still <laughs> corridor. I'd do all that stuff and and, and, and and voice the thunder and the lightning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a huge fan. So that kind of gave me the focus of the theme of, of trying to encapsulate the idea of this guy sitting in his bed sit with records bleeding through the walls from next door, but nobody actually talking to each other, nobody yeah. actually communicating with each other and, and, and what was kind of going through his head. Um, but then he's brought right back to the beginning again. I mean, that's something that I missed on the record when we were arranging it. I wish I'd ended it the way that we play it live now. Mm. When I, it has evolved, you know, as it goes. Yes. Oh, I know. Every time I see you live, you work in a couple other songs that sound similar yeah, well, that, that, yeah, that, that was the, the idea part. yeah yeah that was the idea i mean had a, had a kind of a poetic kind of stance to the open sure. that said oh, i can hear you breathing through the through the, but then yeah. it's like no actually you, you know I, I remember i remember hearing that this is absolutely true i remember hearing that record i was living in hamburg 
and mm-hmm. right in the center of Hamburg and and in this I was um, married at the time to Daniela and we were there and um, we had this like quite large apartment right in the center of Hamburg and it was about I think it must have been about 10 30 at night and somebody was playing it someone was playing soul in isolation on a record on a on a you know on a music they were playing the record mm-hmm. however cd whatever and they had the window open and it was you could hear it uh kind of across the way and i'm thinking like you know that's exactly kind of how it was that that's true that illustrates how you imagine that song that's yeah true. That's i imagined it i imagined there's somebody sitting there and he's yeah so so the ad-lib parts of the song we really tried to reflect that you know it's uh-huh. like he's listening to the doors or he's listening yeah. to bob he's listening to you know the beatles or he's listening right. you know the, they're listening to he's filtering through into his into his um thoughts his yep. situation that's it when i think i told you this before i um one of my favorite moments in any song ever is when you go from screaming, I'm alive in here, in such a way that anybody who's been there can relate to. And then with this total resignation in your voice, you say, you plead, turn on the light. And you go from screaming to pleading in in a resigned, I can't take it anymore kind of voice. Every time I'm getting goosebumps and choked up just thinking about it. Every time I hear that, that transition from just the pleading to the I can't take it anymore, please, is so real to me. Every second of that song is so real to me. Yeah, because you know, it just—I was just trying to. When you're when you're alienated, yeah. you know, you be, you know, there's the paranoia of, of it as well, and the the idea that that, that you're looking at, into into eyes, and there's nothing there's nothing there. And I, yeah. I remember um, playing that song at the Ams at the Paradiso in Amsterdam in '86, and seeing that. Right in front of me, just like all these people with just fucking, and their eyes were just empty. Yes. Yeah, and um, they dragged me off the stage screaming. Actually, oh, I had, a, I had a breakdown. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just finished the record. We just finished the record with uh, it was in nineteen eighty six. We just finished the record, and we were doing a European tour, and I was playing at the parody. So, and I came unglued because of this 
intense paranoia of of, of alien air. I was alienated from everybody in that room, including my bandmates. Oh man! Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of bandmates, um, you know, there's been friction and drama over the years. When I talked right. to John, unfortunately, you two had just, I think, had a falling out, and he wouldn't he wouldn't elaborate on what caused it. Well, he and couldn't I, do because he couldn't do because from from my point from 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 yes. I, I I I didn't do anything to cause it. I didn't even know what was going on at the time. Um, he had been your loyal soldier for a lot. He had stuck, well, you, it, know, you know, from, yeah, from an outsider's perspective. He's the one yeah. guy still playing on solo albums and other projects and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was the first time around when we did it with the Sons of God, it was John. Yeah. John put that together. John phoned me and said, you know, will you come and play Chameleon Sons with me? And then the second time around, he'd been doing it with other people. Um, and I got a, a message from uh, Tony uh, uh, Skinkiss, who was taking care of them at the time. He was like managing them, mm-hmm. and he said, "Like John's going out with his band to play Chameleon songs, and he, wa- he doesn't, you know, wants." To-. And I just said to him, "Well, he's got every right to, you know. I mean, he's yeah. part of the Chameleons. If he wants to go out and play, I can't imagine what it'd be like. But mm-hmm. if he wants to go out and, put- and perform Chameleon songs with a with his own band, then sh- I've got- I'm not going to stand in his way, you know." Sure. Sure. So that's how it started. And then I went and did a gig with him. I wasn't intending to. I was, really, I was coming here to kind of do this uh, busking. I, I had this romantic idea of because of, I, I, I toured in the United States but not really seen anything. I've not mm-hmm. seen much. It's not been much of an experience to speak of except from one stage to another and a whole host mm-hmm. of motels and a fucking tour bus and all that bollocks. Mm-hmm. Um I hadn't really seen that much. So I, I was going to come over here with my acoustic guitar and I was just going to get fucking ground buses around and, and, mm-hmm. and, and try and get an acoustic gig here, an acoustic gig there. And that morphed into something completely, that's a whole different uh, story. Yeah. But um, yeah. I was getting that together and I didn't have, I didn't really have a lot of money at the time. I, I, I mean, I was just really literally busking it yeah. and um, I had the plane fare and a bit, and a, bit more and that was it but i had some <laughs> solid leads for for for, for shows <laughs> so they said they said well we'll why don't you do a gig in manchester with us and you know what we raise we'll we, we'll give it to you to take with you and i went oh yeah fine and that became the start of chameleons of ox <laughs> so that that was john's band and um so that that was really down to John as well. So that again and then when we did the first one there was like such a reaction to it he, he had another one um, and Manchester at the Polytechnic. No, was it Polytechnic on the university? No, Manchester University. Yeah. It was Academy Three. He had another one, and he said, "Like, will you do that one?" I said, "Well, I'm in America. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't get back till after that gig." And, I, and Tony said, "Well, we'll get you another flight." So I said, "Oh, mm-hmm. fair enough." So I came back earlier to do that show with him. I said, yeah. "But I'm not." Fucking, I said, "I'm not fucking doing it." It's John Lever's second skin. So you know, and I'd been working. I'd been working as Chameleons Vox on my own. Because mm. that, you know, chameleon vox, the, sure. the, right, the voice, the, the voice of the chameleon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Oh God, I'll, I'll call it that." So we, we, that's what we did. We, mm. we did that song as, as John Lever's second game. But after uh-huh. that, I said, "Like, if you want me to do any more? I'll do some more." But only, you know, I'm not going to be called yeah. that. So that became Chameleon's Vox, and that that's evolved right the way through for the next like seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, so I didn't actually know what had gone on. Um, John got injured 
And we had some shows. We had a, a, a festival in Portugal, a big festival. We were headlining it, I think. Yeah, we were. Um, and I think we had a tour in Germany, and we had a sh we had a show in Paris. And he injured himself and badly, and um, he'd been on holiday. He went on holiday at Corfu, and he'd injured himself somehow. And so he was saying, "I don't think I'm going to be able to drum." Um, and he came in to the studio with Chris to to assess to assess the the damage, mm -hmm. and Chris was texting me, and he's going, "He can't play." Yeah. So at the time, I'd brought in Eve Altana as a producer because we were going to produce a new record. Yeah, and I'd brought him in, and um, Eve said, "Well, I'll play drums because he, he can play drums. He's, you know, he can play drums, and he, he understands the music. Mm -hmm. Not like John, but he could do it because right. pulling out pulling out of this Portugal show was absolutely." It, those kids would have got burned really badly if yeah. we turned at that stage. It was only a fucking week before we were supposed to go. Um, and we didn't want that to happen. So John came out with Eve as moral support to show him, you know, to help him uh, come to grips with the dynamics of it all and that. And um, he was there and it was fine. And then because of his injury, I didn't see him for a while. And then I played. Um, a benefit gig in Manchester for one of the, um, oh, who was it? I can't remember the name of the band. Mm. I'm ashamed to say, I'm ashamed to say that the name of the band is, it eludes me, but one okay. of their members, one of their members died and uh, they had a benefit for him. And I went, I went and did something for that. And um, I saw him then and he I says, I said, I was, he says, it was getting better. I said, well, I said, do you just fucking get yourself right? And he, 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 you know, he was worried about playing new songs. He did, and I just said, "Don't worry about that. Just, just do what you know. You do the chameleons." I said, "Make sure that you that you get right for the Ritz because the Ritz at December. That's the big show. That's the yeah. one. That's the important one." Yeah. I said, "These shows in Germany, we can deal with those mm -hmm. you know, while you get well because you're you know you're injured. We'll just tell people that you're injured and you know." Yeah. Um, I said, but it's not, you know, we can get round that. I said, but the Ritz is really important. And yeah. I said, then I'll have uh, two drum kits. I'll make sure we get two drum kits and I'll have one drum kit and Nut can come on and do the newer things that we've mm -hmm. done and you just come and play Chameleons and then you're yeah. fine. You don't have to yeah. stress about it. And we hooked each other, gave mm -hmm. each other a hook. Everything was great. We go to Paris and um, I've, got, I've got John's drum tech playing uh, for John. Mm. Right, um, mm -hmm. Dougie. His name was Dougie, and he comes in. And he's playing. Um, I think was it? Yeah, the first time we went to Spain, it was it was Dougie, and then Eve. Eve started playing with mm. us again. Eve was Eve was Eve was doing Paris and Germany. I what's happening? I I am not a part of the conversation. There's a conversation going on between Tony and John, right? And I, I, I'm not even—I wasn't even privy to until way, way, way later when mm -hmm. Tony told me what, what was going down. And then I get a fucking email from his—no, he wasn't his girl. He kept saying he's not my girlfriend. not my girlfriend. I just mm -hmm. met this woman, and she's going. Um, can you confirm whether John's going to be doing Germany with you? Because if he's not doing it, we're not going. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and it was really kind of. Kind of rude the way that I mean I made it sound more polite than it actually was. Mm -hmm. 
And so I just said, like, well, don't, yeah, don't go then. I said, because John's injured and can't play. Mm -hmm. And so he's not going to be doing Germany. We're hoping that he's going to be ready for the Ritz at Christmas. So I said, but no, he's not, he's not doing it. John's not doing it. And, um, then she starts saying, well, his hand's better now. And, all, and I'm saying, well, who are you? You know, like, are you his doctor? I said, right. And I said, well, in any event, he could, even if he was in, I said, even if he was fit, he couldn't do Germany because we've yeah. only got yeah. one. We've only, we got, we got Paris. We come yeah. back. We've got one day. We're not even yeah. unloading. The, we're not even unloading the bus. Everything's yeah. staying in the bus. And then the next day we're on a boat to fucking Germany. Yeah. Right. So yeah. even if he was fit, because John always needed at least for his own, I think it was more psychological than anything else, but he always needed at least a week to prepare to play mm -hmm. so much fucking energy. Mm -hmm. And then he wouldn't, and then once once chameleons weren't playing, he wouldn't touch the drums, right? Mm -hmm. There wasn't one of those play, people who played every day. Yeah. He, he, he came in and he'd do like intense week, play the guitar, get mm -hmm. paid, and fuck off, and then he wouldn't touch his drums right. again until the next time chameleons were working. Right. So I said, even if he was fit as a fiddle, he, there isn't enough times one day, mm -hmm. you know, we're going straight in it, into it, you know? Yeah. Said, but he'll be, don't, he'll be, he'll be, you know, he'll be well enough for the Ritz. We'll have plenty mm -hmm. of time to rehearse that. It'll be fine. I don't know who this person is, by the way. Oh, right? oh. Just, okay. She doesn't tell me that she's with John. She just tells me that she, you know, yeah. she's a and she's local, right? The next thing I know, right, I go, I go on Facebook and um, there's a post on Facebook, um, Mark Sack John. I think I saw this. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, what? So I immediately respond like, uh, no, he hasn't. I don't know yeah. where you're getting this from, but, but, oh, yeah, he has. He's definitely, you know, he's definitely, you've Dave sacked him. And that became the narrative. Mark yeah. kicked John out of the band. And I was really upset about it. And um, I was prevented. I was going to go down to Ashton and fucking talk to him because um, I knew where he drank. Yeah. Um, and Tony and that, like, oh, don't do that. I can't walk in there. You know? I'm like, what the fuck? And it turns out that, I mean, this was all based upon Chinese whispers and conversations that John was having with Tony because John was saying, I want to do Germany. And Tony said, you can't. Yeah, you can't even play the joint. You can't even fucking play. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that oh, became man. something else. And then my conversation with this woman, who turned out to be um, his drinking buddy, um, is it just uh, Lisa Rankin or something? Like that? Into, yeah. I would have, I would have sacked myself before I would have sacked John. I, would, I, yeah. would, I, I mean, I was being urged because his drinking had got really, really bad. Um, mm, sure. and, and in the he'd always been a heavy drinker, but he'd never let it get in the way mm -hmm. of, of of work. Right? He, he, the drinking that he did when we were working was yeah. just to keep, was just to keep him fucking normal. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't drunk while he was playing. Right. right? He was just like, but he had an he had an alcoholism addiction. Mm -hmm. So it was just basically so that he could function. Yeah, he got to the stage where if he didn't drink at all, or if he, he you know, if he, it was a while before he had a drink, he'd get muscular entropy, mm. right, and he wouldn't be able to move. He'd yeah, paralysis. Yeah, right? and he'd have to drink fucking alcohol just to get his fucking muscles working. Right, oh, that's boy. how bad he got. 
yeah, that's how bad he got. So, but he'd always kept it, you know, professional. He was like, when he was playing, he'd drink just enough to keep himself functional. Then after the show, he'd go for it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But it got to the point where that changed and sound checks became impossible because he was, he was off his tits. Yeah, yeah. So Shoot. we had to abandon that. And that's when, that's when I stepped in um, and sat him down and just said, you need to get yourself fucking sorted out, mate. Yeah, yeah. Because he'd almost, like, we played a show in Portugal and um, at the end of it, I'm not exaggerating when I say he was as white as your fucking shirt is. Really? Oh, Crazy. man. He was in the dressing room and he was that colour. And yeah. I'm like, this is, you know, and they're all screaming for an encore, and I'm like, yeah, oh, man, we, we you know. Yeah. And, um, and then when it happened, it, similar thing, what happened at the uh, Band on the Wall, he collapsed halfway through the last song. He literally collapsed its kit. And then I'm kind of panicking. I'm thinking, you know, and I'm saying, do, I, do we need to get the paramedics out or whatever? You know, it's been all right in a minute. All right. And he was on the floor, and he was just out. He was just, you know, he couldn't. Yeah. And I just said to him, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have you die on stage. I'm, I'm not going to be there. Oh. Wow. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna watch that happen before my eyes. So you need to get yourself sorted out. Yeah. And he did. I mean, he did. He uh, yeah. he. It took him about three months, and he was at the end of it. He was dry as a. And, and at the end of that period, he came back, and he was drumming like a thirty-year-old. I mean, he was mm. playing the best drums I've ever heard, I'd heard right. since fucking Strange Times. Um, yeah. I was like, wow, great. We're all really happy. And that yeah. only, but that only lasted about. Uh, I don't know about maybe eighteen months, and then he got back with he got with with her. What's her name? Lisa Rankin and all Lisa. that. Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was drinking again because she's an alcoholic oh, as well. No. So, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, shoot. yeah, yeah. She died. Shoot. Well, she had one one guy die of fucking alcoholism, and then yeah. this John was the second one. So, oh, uh, I didn't know that. I don't know her personally. Well, I'm just Facebook friends with her. Yeah, yeah. Well, shoot. She, I I put I I blame. That lot in the Witchwood, uh-huh. Anna, Anna, for his death. I blame oh, and really? I also blame him. Yeah, she's also the reason why I couldn't go to the funeral. I remember that. I remember yeah. you not going, and but I mean, I'll, I'll the only thing I see are posts from her, which make mm. you out to be the bad guy. And yeah, of course, well, she thinking, it, she fact is, fact is, Jack, his son, rang me to apologize for it. Oh, um, no. Like he said, I've tried to fucking talk to my mother, but they're only yeah. listening to bass. And I said, yeah, they're only listening. Oh to man! But, oh wow! Um, and yet they play. Yeah, I'm thinking from Hill as he's fucking going into the furnace. So yeah, that one. I can't go to the funeral, but they can play my fucking singing. They can have yeah. me singing. Fucking wankers. But anyway, wow. no. I mean, I mean, you know, um, I did not. I was not aware of anything that was going on when I read that. It was a shock. Yeah, and I yeah. went to Tony, and I'm like, "Well, I'll go and talk to him because I would have left that band myself before I would have done sure, anything like that." Sure, because it was oh, John's man. band. Yes, it was John's band. It wasn't. It didn't even. You know, it wasn't even my. I mean, I, I brought Neil in. Uh-huh. I, at the end, I brought Neil in, um, but it was Chris and John. Wow, and Neil and Foxy who was, who was there before Neil. That yeah. Foxy and Chris. That, that was that was John's band. You know, that was Foxy's and John's band. I mean, That's I, tragic, you know, and it, but, um, you know, the drinking was obviously the drinking was a problem. Uh-huh. And I had, I had, I had Evil's going like, well, I don't think I can work with him. And I'm just saying, well, I'm not fucking sacking him. So right. we have to figure out, we have to figure out a way. 
right. and make it work. Um, and wow. it wasn't until he got, it wasn't until he started collapsing and shit like that on stage that um, I said to him then, but I didn't, I wasn't sacking him. I just said to him, get, get some help. Yeah. I said, and that drum stool is waiting for you when you get fit enough. I said, because you can't, you're going to die. You're yeah. going to die. You keep yeah. dying. You're drinking the way you are and putting out much fucking energy. It's going to kill you. And I don't yeah. want that to happen. So yes. I'm forcing the issue. Right, I said Dougie yeah. will fucking Dougie will substitute for you um, until you you can get yourself right, and he did it. You know, he had yeah. to hit he had to hit rock bottom that Christmas, which he did. Um, he had some altercation with his mother, and it 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 um, it woke him up, and sure. um, he went to the he went to he enrolled in AA, and and he got himself back within fucking three months. He was he was you know well he played that yeah. um, Black Lane tour. I mean, he did a set for Jack. Oops, sorry, mm-hmm. he did a set for Jack, and then he did a chameleon set. So oh, he's no playing way. two sets. He went from like not even able to get through a sound check to playing two sets a night. Yeah, for, and that was that was a big reasonable song. I was twenty odd dates. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, yeah. So twenty, you know. I mean, yeah. They 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 can they you know she and her fucking all her little shit demons. They mm-hmm. can she can blame me all she likes. The fucking mm. truth of it is I was not even part of that. And, yeah. you know, for John, people say, well, I got it from John. I mean, yeah, but John was an alcoholic, man. Mm-hmm. He, they, they fucking, they wouldn't know the fucking, they wouldn't know reality. Yes, from a fucking, it's true. One, they wouldn't know reality true. from a fucking uh, Roadrunner cartoon. Now I get it. Now I get it. Well, I did have one other question. When you guys move on and you go do the sun and the moon with John, is the were those at all chameleon songs? Was that would that have been a fourth chameleon's album if it could have, or was it just a completely separate project? I love that album, by the way. It was completely separate. Um, no, it was completely separate. Um, okay. The stuff that we were working on for the, what would have been the fourth Chameleons album then, um, all those ideas we were working that we were working on, the ones that I hadn't got to. I, I, I got, I, we did, um, Is It Any Wonder, mm-hmm. um, Dennis and Curls, which is a song that I wrote. So 
Um, uh, what else was on that? Healer, it's another song that I wrote, and that punky thing that we did, um, um, free for all. Mm. They were the they were the first four that I got to, and um, when the band broke up, the rest of the things that we were working on became the um, the meat and potatoes of the Riggs album. So they're, oh. all, they're all they're all on the Riggs record. Okay, yeah. When you um, you started started and ended a number of other projects after the chameleons came about and in fact when i saw you play one thing i was really taken with is that you were pulling songs from all over your your career it was not no. a chameleon's greatest hits show no. there was no. solo stuff there was sun and moon there was sons of god um when you <clears throat> are each one of these other projects are they sort of other aspects of your personality are you exploring new ways of making music or recording or writing that you wouldn't otherwise what do they represent yeah they are the yeah they are the they're, they're kind of where i'm at at the, at the time and um the thing with the sun and the moon was that you know i like the songs on the record and everything but they just want it was just having having come away from chameleons with all of the aspects of it um to just step into something that they wanted to be exactly the same you know in terms of um how we did it and 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 what we were doing and the kind of thing that we were doing they just they, they, they wanted to just step into those shoes they wanted the sun and the moon to be yeah. a continuation of chameleons and that's not what i wanted to do Mm. I wanted to do something that I wanted to do something. I was hoping for a bit more versatility than that, really. Mm. So at the time, um, I'd been I started busking with a friend of mine. I started busking around uh, around the region, really, um, mm. just to because it's the fastest way to learn to play guitar is by busking in the street. Yeah, because it's terrifying. It's one of the most terrifying things you can do as a performer. It's really scary. Okay. Um, and so I, I was doing that, and so I was getting into things like Water Boys and things like that, and mm. um, and that's kind of the, the, the something I wanted to make a record that had that kind of vibe about it. And the two Andrews um, and John didn't get it, you know, they just didn't get that really. It was like, and they say, well, "No, we want to work on these, and we're working, listening to these ideas." And I'm thinking, man, the not doing anything for me at all. It's yeah. just like they, they went on to record them as uh, what's that name of that band that sounded like a fucking carpet shop? What was it? Weave World <laughs> in Spiral car Carpets. No, no. we they were called we Weave World. Which I, oh, sure, sure, sure. Like a, yes, their name sounds yes. like a car a carpet warehouse. <laughs> what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, that's funny. They did. Did, but that's what that did. so if you if you listen to that record that they did called Weave World that that is how they wanted the Sun okay. and the Moon record. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if you listen to Zima Junction, that is the direction I wanted to go in. 
I, could, I was just going to say that it's interesting listening. You're one of those people for better or worse. It's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of Stuart Adamson and big country, big country. We're so are so tied to that sound, that electric bagpipey sound that when they don't sing that and Stuart was a much broader songwriter and musician than that. He liked country uh, he's, music, everything. He's, he's soundtrack to restless natives. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, it is. But we, yeah. if you aren't paying close attention, it feels uncharacteristic to hear him sing anything that doesn't have that Ebo bagpipe on it. Similar mm -hmm. to you, it feels uncharacteristic to hear you sing anything that doesn't have that dark, beautiful guitar, those dark, beautiful guitar tones on it. And yet yeah. you stretch, but I don't know if you get enough credit for it. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the Zima Junction with demos, man, they were eight Were they really? I couldn't, okay. I couldn't get, I couldn't find a producer. No one wanted oh. to. Um, and then with, you know, I, thought, I suppose when I work, when the first record I did with Eve, it was it's credited as a, as as, as co-compositions, but actually it wasn't. And I, I just I brought him in on the publishing because um, of the job that he, we, it was a lot. It's a long story, but we, we managed to turn that record around and. Um, is that the paradigming, or how do you say it? Paradigming, yeah. Magazine child, do you want to walk on the sides wildly? Magazine child, do you want to walk on the side that's wild? Forgive me, I hear you, classless and free. That we are is a tiny 
Yeah. We turned it around because we were in real trouble with it. Um, we, you know, we did like two weeks with, with John and John at the time was so far gone. Um, it wasn't even in time and we, mm. we had to fucking start all over again. Then. Yeah. So instead of having four weeks to make a record, I only had two. And uh, we were working like 16, 17, 18 hours a day to get it finished in time, which we did. And I wanted to kind of, um, I wanted to acknowledge that to some degree. Um, yeah. But the songs were already written, but that was very, that was kind of a continuation of the Zoom Junction. But okay. the, Venus if- album, the Venus album that I did with him, that was, was a, a, a proper collaboration. And um, we were kind of like celebrating our influence in our Yeah. Speaking so, of which, um, first and foremost, the Sun and the Moon CD sells for $100 on Amazon, which bums me out. Every time I want to buy it, I think I can't part with $100 for a CD, but I really want to. That's crazy. You mentioned Bowie. You guys do that cover of uh, John, I'm Only Dancing. It's on my extended edition of the Strange Times CD.
how did that? And then you throw in everyone else's name, Reg. You're, I'm, I'm only dance, Dave. Whatever. We just had we had we had um, a bit of loose time in the studio, and um, we were jamming it out. We were just sitting down, like jamming it. Um, <laughs> and John was playing his drum cases. He's not playing the drums. He's really? actually is it is it in his drum cases because we were just in a. <laughs> We were just in this room, just like we had some time wow. around. We were just goofing around. Yeah. And uh, and Dave Allen went, oh, I'm recording it. I'm recording yeah. it. He, just set up, he set up a couple of mics in the room and said, do it again. Um, no. So we did. So the again. recording that I know, that I hear, is still John on the drum cases? Yes, it's John. Cases? John, John oh, drum cases. Yeah, that is great. Drum. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, one other thing you mentioned when I met you, you started singing and you needed something for your throat and you wanted coffee. And I don't know that most people go to coffee. I think they go to tea. I don't know. Is that your go-to to like loosen up the throat? Is coffee? No, I was doing it because I was exhausted. <laughs> well, that, yeah, it was, was like a hundred degrees back there too it, that day. It was hundred degrees and, and um, I was doing all the driving on, I was, I drove the car right around America. We did something like, I think somewhere between 12 and, 13,000, 13, 40,000 miles, something like that. Oh, my gosh. And I drove it all. So uh, with the heat and everything, I was, I was just feeling kind of like a bit um, yeah. laxadaisical, shall we yeah. say. And I just need – and caffeine is my go-to for yeah. – I don't I don't take drugs anymore or anything like that. So um, a good cup of coffee. And it okay. was a good cup of coffee as well. It's a I, I, I just thought it was like 100 degrees and – you needed something to, and I just thought coffee. You don't see anyone getting a coffee that's no, no, very rough and roll, is it? No. Yeah, no. But that was a really interesting choice. Okay, one <laughs> other thing, and I will cut this out if you want me to. But when I, when we met, I had just talked to Steve Lillywhite about in shreds, and you said, "Oh, he's a wanker." Why did you say that? <laughs> There's a couple of reasons, right? The first reason was that when we rough mixed uh, in shreds and we went away and uh, it was Christmas and we just signed CBS that, that Christmas, that uh, December. So I had a bit of money in my pocket and um, I went down to a, 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 an electronic, I was walking past this electric electronic shop, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, like a little Target and um, they had this brand new invention in the window they were hyping it it's called sony walkman wow you know and i went in and demoed it and the only thing that i had 
to demo it with was the rough mix of the of instruments, which we just done. And it was in my pocket, so I played that on it, and I heard it on there, and was just I'm like fucking hell, you know. And I just so I immediately I bought it right away, yeah. and I I gave I, I got to a phone box. We didn't have cell phones in those days. I got to a, I got to a phone box and. Dave happened to be in, and I just said, get, get around to Alistair's, I want, I want to show you something. So he, he said, right, I'll be there in an hour. So we go, and we meet Alistair's. And I played it to him on that, mm-hmm. and his chin was on the floor, right? It sounded absolutely amazing. And we'd only been back about the day. I don't think we'd have to listen to it since we left the studio. It right. And we just said to each other that that, that is, without doubt, that's a single, without mm-hmm. doubt. Yeah, that's 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 going to be our debut single. Yeah, and um, Steve Lillowhite wouldn't go with it. He was like, he fought us all the way, and I'm like, I couldn't. I was kind of disillusioned a little bit because my thinking, as arrogant as it is, um, was that if you if you hear that, bear in mind the context of the times. Sure. If you hear that, you don't hear an absolutely stellar rock and roll debut, then you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. I'm concerned. You haven't got a fucking clue what you, you don't know right. what a fucking good record is. And yeah. to say, to make that judgment about Steve Lillowhite is appalling because he's made some great records. Yeah. yeah. He's a great producer. And he's one at the time, yeah. one of the most expensive producers in England. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, right? The fact that he tried to do, um, fan on the bellows, which is what the record label were telling him they wanted as a single on a fucking limb drum. On a lindrum. I didn't know Steve that. Steve Lillywhite yeah. was hooked up a lindrum. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, what, yeah. what, what we've got a drummer. Why do you need Yeah, that you got John Lever, you don't need a lindrum. Right. And he said to me, um, is it Martin Russian? Mm. Who did Human League? Uh yeah. yes. Yeah. And Buzzcocks. Yeah. He says, uh, Martin Russian uses him. And I said, yeah, no, that's because his drum sound shit. Because <laughs> I, I, I was a big Buzzcocks fan. Uh-huh. And I've seen Buzzcocks live right from the very beginning. You know, and back when it was 35 pence to see uh-huh. Oof. Right? Oof. And yeah, really, that early. And um, 35 pence, the first time I saw Buzzcocks, that's how much it was. And uh, the records didn't, you know, John Mayer's drum sound was shit on the records. They ah. didn't 
he obviously didn't, as far as I was concerned, he didn't know how to fucking make drums, drums sound good. Well, anyway, on the other hand, that's what you're hiding for. That's exactly right. right. Yeah, You hired him for the drums. Yes. Um, and so I was kind of nonplussed. And I'm saying, what you, and I said, well, what about his, what's he going to do with he said, I'm only using bass drum and snare drum. I said, well, is that, what's that, how's he going to play? He said, well, we'll overdub, we'll overdub the, we'll overdub the snare and we'll mm. overdub, the, we'll overdub the uh, snare rolls and we'll overdub the height. And I'm like, good luck with that, man. And the kids said, John, Adam, he, he, when he joined the band, he hadn't really been playing that long. And, and yeah. he really wanted his hero. So he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He, he couldn't. Ish. He wasn't pr- proficient yeah. enough yet sure. at that stage of his career. He was a kid. He was, tw- he was only fucking 20 years old. He'd only just, mm-hmm. He didn't even set his drum kit right. He set his drum kit left-handed. Oh. He was a right-handed drummer. He didn't fucking know what he was doing. So he's trying to do this, and it's just like... So he gets his confidence completely destroyed, which I is unforgivable in a producer. Mm-hmm. A producer should not be destroying the confidence of the people he's trying to produce. True. The point. Right? That's yeah. the second reason. And finally, because I know you're short on time, the third reason, I think it, I, I called him a tosser, <laughs> um, was because he turned down Scripts of the Bridge to produce war. <laughs> war. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. 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 Which well, I don't care. I don't care who you are. And I, I don't, you can have your opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. And I probably respect other people's opinion. I have my opinion. You two are a great band. They've made a lot of great albums. War was not one of them. Shit. We debated this a little bit when we met. Um, yeah, I, I'm not on your side on that one. I think it might be their best album. But right. I probably feel that way because yeah, I love Steve and his style so much. Yeah. And the drum yeah, sound. Yeah, you know, and so... I, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a, what a hot take. Okay. One other thing. Um, when you guys came back together for the, why call it anything album? Why was that so short lived? previous drama come back in was it just is it too difficult for the four of you guys to be friendly with each other and no, make it work it's difficult for the four of us to be friendly to each other it's fucking difficult for me and dave feeling friendly uh, to each other because i think he's fucking he's gone he's uh, gone it's just he's, he's not he's not the person that i joined the, I, the, um i joined this band for and i yeah. joined this band i didn't farm the chameleons i joined it mm. 
I joined it and um, he was a big part of that. And um, he's not this person now um, is not th that person. And I don't, I don't, I don't know who or what he is now. Yeah. Um, although having said that, I've heard rumours that um, he found God, he's found God, and all that. So oh, maybe good. that'll okay. Well, yeah, maybe that'll sort it out. Yeah, maybe whatever but, works. Um, no, it was just again, you know. Okay. Someone, you know no, I won't. Uh, no. It's too bad. That's all I've got to say about that. You know. Okay. Last thing, um, I've been seeing chameleons posting on social media that the Dolly's picture and live in Berlin. Uh, it, it are being packaged together in like a two disc and two uh, multi record, right? I want to help you promote a little bit. Is that a thing you're behind? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, my philosophy is that I mean, there's nothing new to put out. Um, mm -hmm. so they're kind of reissuing <laughs> and remastering and all that business, but if you don't want to buy it, don't fucking buy it. I mean, you know, it, it's there. Yeah. For the people who who want it, and uh -huh. um, I mean, I don't, I don't fucking listen to those records. To be quite honest yeah. with you, I don't. I don't they, they, as far as they were, I, you know, they weren't supposed to be released in the first place. They were like, it's like they're just rough sketches of, of ideas and things that you know. That, that you, I never thought. At the is time that what Dolly's it, picture but, is? Was like, uh, yeah. you know, early demos or something like that. Yeah, There's a version of Monkey early. Land on there and. Yeah, there were demos for CBS. Okay. See, but when we got to CBS, CBS said, right, go back in and record some demos, and that's what we did. And then that, that ended up, that's what Dallas Picture was. Okay. Um, they're, they're, those, they're those demos. The, the, the live show in Berlin, I'm happy to see out, because for a long time, that was one of my favorite gigs we ever did. Mm -hmm. And it just wow. so happens. It, just, it was just a pure chance that um, Steve-O, who was our sound engineer at the time, had a, um, a quarter-inch reel-to-reel and he recorded it. Um, we didn't know till we'd come off that he'd recorded it. Um, that was one of my favourite gigs ever. Yeah. You know? So to have that nice. out is good. And good. they've done a nice job and it's got a new picture by Red on it and it's, you know, yeah. okay. fine. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to throw out some new things, new stuff, if people want to check it out. Um, well, Mark, I... Love you so much. And I'm so grateful for everything you've done, whether it be the chameleons or the work you do on your own, because all of it touches me so deeply, more deeply than most things that have ever been created by anybody. And thank so you. thank you for what you've put in the world. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's hope we can do it. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that if I can get the kind of independence that I'm looking for, um, we will finally be able to sit down and make a new record. That's what I, I want. Hope so. I hope yeah. so, too. Yeah, I do. I hope so, too. Well, thank you, sir. All right, there you have it, Mark Burgess. I hope you guys heard some things in here that you like. If you do not know The Chameleons, please, I beg of you, go check out a Chameleons album. My favorite, and Mark's favorite, Strange Times, is not streaming on Spotify. I don't know why. The other ones are, this is a song I want to close it out with called Up the Down Escalator. That's excellent. Check them out and let me know what you think. They're sort of, I always, I, I when I talk to Steve Lillywhite, I, I describe them as sort of a more masculine cure. That's sort of what they make me think of. I just think they're wonderful. And Mark's voice and his writing and that alienation and all that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh. It just hits me so hard. I love it. Now, um, that's the end of, uh, of 2022. That's the last episode. And the next episode we put out, the first one of January, is our 400th episode. I mean, we've got, with bonuses, we've got closer to almost 600. But as far as the definitive Tuesday episodes, we're coming up on 400. And we have a very, very special guest for our 400th episode. Unfortunately, the conversation didn't go, go exactly how I wanted it to go. Uh, it wasn't the perfect experience, but it was okay. And we're lucky to hear from this person. So that's what's coming out next week. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man. Thank you, buddy, for everything that you do and for being my partner in this. Gang, you can like our Facebook page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Uh, we'll be on Twitter for the time being. I don't know if I'll stay because that place is kind of falling apart. Anyway, we love you all, and we hope you had a good Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you. Something wrong with us